you know, from the outside looking in, they'd be like, oh my God, this girl's a basket case. Her life is like falling apart. But I still feel so much joy and just like peace in my heart. And so I think that the opposite of joy isn't sadness, but rather fear. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Perfectly Broken Podcast. Just like the Japanese art of Kintsugi, we're not trying to hide the cracks of our broken past, but rather highlight those struggles with gold. I will be vulnerable, real, and raw with y'all as we figure out how we can turn the damaged pottery of our lives into stunning works of art that are even more beautiful than we ever thought possible. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Perfectly Broken Podcast. So today's episode will hopefully be pretty short and sweet, but it is something that I am very passionate about, and that is how to find joy in life. Because after living a life of numbing out and not allowing myself to really feel my feelings, I really didn't know what joy was all about. And um, so I've really made it my mission this past year to figure out how the hell to find joy. And the thing that I have discovered through research and life experience is that the number one tool we can use to find joy in life is gratitude. And gratitude and joy absolutely go hand in hand together. So so I feel like people tend to believe that when you're happy, you're grateful, but that's actually backwards. Um, Think of all the celebrities and the people you know that have quote, the perfect life. They have all the material goods, they travel, the house, the cars, everything, and yet they are not happy. And then I also think back to my time in Zimbabwe. I lived in the rural parts of Zimbabwe with no running water, no electricity. People were dying due to lack of health care and everything. They were dealing with oppression and poverty, and they were some of the happiest people I've ever been around. And it is all because of gratitude. So it's the gratefulness that makes you joyful, not the other way around. And I want to make note of the fact that we don't have to be grateful for everything. Like some things just suck. Um, Death, unfaithfulness, dishonesty, that hurts. But at the same time, if you're able to recognize that we can be grateful in every given moment, that just allows you to breathe and find the beauty in different things. Like even death, if you're able to live a life, and the thing that's really changed my life and shifted my mindset and my attitude and everything is realizing that everything happens for me whether you believe in God, universe, source, whatever, everything happens for you. And if you're able to shift your mentality out of the victim mode and out of saying like, oh, why God? Like, why is this happening to me too? Why God? Like, okay, this sucks. I'm not enjoying this. 
but I believe that everything happens for the greater good and whether it be a lesson that my soul needs to learn to evolve or there is going to be an outcome that I can't foresee right now that is greater than I ever could have imagined, everything happens for you. And so that little shift in mentality has really changed things for me. So even in death, it's like, you know, with my dad's death, it is beautiful in some regards. The fact that our life and our time is finite helps you to really appreciate what you have when you have it with the people that you have and not take it for granted as much, which is still hard. So there are a few points that should be made about gratitude. One is that, and I think that this is very, very important, is that gratitude is a practice. It is an action. It's not just an attitude of gratitude. You can't just think your way into um, getting the benefits of gratitude or anything. It's actually something that you have to um, practice and do something about. And I love that Brene Brown gives an example of a quote, yoga attitude. And she said like, yeah, I, I practice an attitude of yoga. I believe in the ideals of mindfulness and breathing and the body-mind-spirit connection. I even have yoga outfits, but if you were to put me on a mat and ask me to do a headstand, like, Lord knows, I would not be able to perform. And so that's kind of the same thing about the attitude of gratitude is you can think all you want, but unless you are actually um, doing something tangible about it, which I'll get into some ideas for what you can do, but unless you're actually doing something tangible, it's not really going to pay off that much. Um, I thought that I was living a life of gratitude before, but in hindsight, I really just, I, I thanked people for everything and I was constantly saying thank you and feeling appreciative for things, but it wasn't like a daily practice of rewiring my brain. And so a few different things that you can do are a gratitude journal, which is something that I do. Um, doing daily gratitude meditations or prayers, even creating gratitude art, um, and even something as simple as stopping during the middle of a stressful, busy day and saying the words out loud, I am grateful for XYZ. I am grateful for this bed. I'm grateful for this house to stay in and a roof on, over my head and the food on the table. Um, if you're struggling financially, then I'm grateful for family that loves me, or I'm grateful for, it's funny, I, in my gratitude journal, I've come to realize that I always include things for like, I'm grateful that this person did this for me, or I'm grateful that I got this done, or different things like that. But I've never once said, I'm grateful for my eyes that can see. I'm grateful for 
Um, the fact that I'd never lost my sense of taste or smell during COVID because that was terrifying to me. I'm grateful for the muscle that I've put on that you might not be able to see it very well, but I can lift strong things and I feel strong and powerful. And I need to take it back to things about myself a lot of the times too, which I'm not very good at, but this is all a practice. So for me, I started keeping a gratitude journal about a year and a half ago. Um, actually, it was about a year ago because it was probably when I moved back home in January that I started to do it as a daily necessity, something that I wasn't able to just forget about like I had for previous years. And it just is a simple little journal. Actually, I have it right here. I didn't even realize. But it's just a simple little journal off of Amazon. And every day, it's just, I am grateful for. And then there are three lines. So you just come up with three things you're grateful for. And then it has a little prompt that's different for each day. Like this is three things that made me happy today. Things I did for myself today. People I love seeing today. Music I enjoyed today. Relaxing moments I had today. And so the thing about gratitude is that it really does um, use your neuroplasticity to rewire your brain. So the more that you practice this, the more it trains your brain into seeking more things to be grateful for. So you start to look for great things in life that you can be grateful for. And I started the gratitude journal, like I said, um, January of last year. And for a while, it felt like I was going through the motions. And so I've heard that um, the, the practice of gratitude includes emote, extend, and exercise. And so the emote part is where I was really struggling. I was able to logically say, okay, someone just did this great deed for me, so I should feel grateful. I am grateful, but I didn't actually feel it like to my core. It wasn't, I didn't feel the emotions behind it. And I just kept doing it day after day after day. And I would have moments of like fleeting kind of joy and gratitude and stuff. But it wasn't until the day that my dad died, when they were wheeling out his body, that I was just overcome, flooded with gratitude for that experience that those last three months that I got with him and how easy, not easy, but how tolerable, I guess, the process of his death was and the fact that I got to say goodbye and get closure and get hugs and get time with him. And it's like I had been putting in the practice and finally, finally, something just clicked and it paid off. And it's never really gone away since then. Now I'm constantly to my core just feeling such gratitude and joy. So gratitude without practice is like faith without works. It's not alive. You need to take the action and really put pen to paper or stuff like that to make it feel alive. So next we're gonna talk about joy, which is the whole point of this gratitude. And the thing about joy is that I see it as a step beyond happiness. 
Um, joy is what you feel deep in your core. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to be happy. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is, oh, I just won this award. Happiness is, oh, I just finished a great workout. Happiness is, oh, I'm around a giggling baby or a cat or, you know, whatever. So happiness is tied to circumstances and joyfulness is tied to the spirit and gratitude. And so even like when I am in such, like for instance, going back to my dad, I've been grieving his loss. And so there are plenty of times where it hits me and I am just sobbing from the depths of my soul. And I try to allow those tears to flow and I try to feel them. And they say when, you're, when you feel it, you're ready to heal it. So I continue to feel it let them flow. You know, our bodies are rivers. They're not meant to be lakes. They're not meant to have stagnant energy and stagnant emotions. You're supposed to feel it and let it flow and get it out. And that's so healing and so necessary. So even in those moments of great grief and tears and like, you know, from the outside looking in, they'd be like, oh my God, this girl's a basket case. Her life is like falling apart. But I still feel so much joy and just like peace in my heart. And so I think that the opposite of joy isn't sadness, but rather fear. And fear ties into the scarcity mentality and, you know, that we're afraid to lose things. And one thing about fear, I really like that Brene Brown says, um, she calls the term foreboding joy. And that is basically where we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so I think she said, the best way to transform our compulsive need to dress rehearse tragedy in times of overwhelming joy is to practice gratitude. So it's funny recently um and it's gotten better now but there was a little period of time about a week or two ago where i was struggling with the scarcity mentality big 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 time and at the beginning of the year i had a conversation with a family member who is in the medical industry and he was coming from a place of love but when i mentioned to him that like i realize i struggle with a little bit of anxiety and I'd never really been aware of it before, but it's just something as simple. My example was every morning I wake up and my cat, I don't know if he's behind me or not. Okay, Scout's behind me, but Dexter, my orange cat, um, he is my cuddle bug and he sleeps with me all night. He has to be touching me all night. I don't know if he ever stops purring and kneading and he just loves to be around me. So every morning I wake up and he's right there and I just am overwhelmed with gratitude. I am just so blessed to have such a loving, sweet baby. And that lasts for maybe five, 10 seconds. And then it immediately shifts to, oh my gosh, but he's been sick last year and he could die at any point and what am I gonna do without him? And so that's what the foreboding joy is. And that's where you are like, on the edge of joy. And I really like that she said, most of us have experienced being on the edge of joy only to be overcome by vulnerability and thrown into fear. And I never associated that feeling with vulnerability. 
I've always said that my greatest strength, not always, but recently I realized that my greatest strength is my vulnerability. And I did not recognize that that foreboding joy is related to being vulnerable and recognizing that the good that we have in our life could potentially be taken away at any second. And so that kind of ties into the scarcity mentality that we're afraid to lose what we love the most and we hate that there are no guarantees. So I think that I tend to have a little bit of a sense of like, okay, I'm not going to give my full heart because I can't lose something else. I can't lose someone else. And I think that that holds us back in relationships and even with family members and stuff like that. It's so hard to fully embrace and fully let yourself feel the deep gratitude and the deep joy that comes along with these things because we don't know how long it's going to last. And that is absolutely terrifying. And that is a very vulnerable place to be. And The thing about foreboding joy is I thought that something was terribly wrong with me. When I was having a conversation with my family member about it, he was coming from a place of love, but he was like, that's not normal. Like, you need to get on anti-anxiety medicine. Like, that's not the way to live. And I took that as there's something wrong with you. You are even more fucked up than you already thought. Like, oh, you need to get on another prescription medicine, even though I'm trying to wean myself off of pharmaceuticals. And so I really struggled with that. And it came back to bite me in the ass recently when I was getting into that scarcity mentality. And I just, what had been a, an, mild anxiety all of my life. It was like a door that I could open and close and if the anxiety I could push it away, it wasn't that bad. But after having that conversation, it's like that door was kicked open and I could not hide from my anxiety and I felt like there was something seriously wrong with me. And so reading this book, and it's the book, um, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, but realizing that she talked about like her example for foreboding joy was every parent stands over their sleeping child and just is so filled with love and gratitude. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, but what if something happens to them? What if I lose this beautiful child, this perfect little child? And so it helped me recognize that maybe I'm not as fucked up as I thought. And like, maybe this is a natural thing. And it was such a relief to hear that there is a fix for it. And so as you probably wouldn't be surprised from the way that this podcast is going, the cure for foreboding joy It's just leaning into the gratitude. When I start to feel like, oh my gosh, my sick cat, uh, I can't lose him, blah, blah, blah. Stop, pause, take a deep breath and say, but he's here now and he's loving me now and he is beautiful and he's not in pain. And there's so much to be grateful for and just lean into that and focus on that as much as possible. And then finally, um, as I was 
about to record this episode, my little brother's friend, um, who I consider a friend too, was hanging out and we were talking about it. He asked like, what is your next episode going to be on? And I said, joy and gratitude. And so he offered me his insight on how he feels joy. And it really, um, was interesting to me because I don't practice this at all. And it's something that I'm aware of, recently aware of, and that it's, it's like the universe keeps telling me, Danny, like, okay, this is something you need to really listen to. So he said that the way that he um, allows joy to flow is that he just goes with the flow of life. He doesn't set expectations every day. He doesn't have a strict criteria and like um, schedule and all that stuff. And anyone that knows me, like I will be the first to say I am a major type A personality. Like my best friend used to joke like, hey, you wanna hang out? And I'd say, yeah, I can do it. And she'd be like, okay, I'll send you a calendar invite. And like, it was a joke but it was serious too. Like I needed that calendar invite. I need to have it in my calendar. I live and die by my calendar. I'm not flexible. And that really has held me back and it has caused anxiety and it has led to so much stress and worry and fear and lack of, um, and I guess just getting into that scarcity mentality. One example that the book said is that like, we wake up and then our first thought is, I didn't get enough sleep. And then right after that is, I don't have enough time in the day. And if I'm able to tap into my divine feminine more, which is go with the flow and allow life to happen and receive and rest, then I feel like that would just take off so much pressure that I'm putting on myself. And you know, what do they say? Like expectations are the killer of joy or something like that. But it's true that the more you have these expectations, then if things don't go according to plan, like it's rough. And so if I'm able to learn to just wake up each day and have a general idea of what I want to get done that day, but allow it to just unfold as it needs to, I'm doing that little by little. My first little training is like um, asking myself every morning, what does your body want to do for movement today? I used to work out hard every day and now I'm starting to learn to honor my body and ask it like, okay, do you want to get in a tough strength training workout? Great. The, like Those are my favorite because my the exercise addiction in me still likes to go hard. But then there are other days where I just need to rest and that might be more yin yoga or breath work or something just light and easy and tapping into my body. So the more that we're able to just go with the flow, trust the universe, trust that everything's going to be okay. And he even said like he has basically a mantra that is everything's going to be okay. No matter what shit I'm going through, everything is going to be okay. And that's something that I kind of have taken on myself. I'm trying to adopt the mantra of everything always works out better than expected every single time even when you go through absolute shit in hindsight you're able to look back and say that 
okay, that was a lesson that I didn't like, I didn't want, but now I see that it was so necessary and I am so grateful for it. And now I'm able to apply that and have a better life and evolve and grow and all the good stuff or just being in the moment and being present more and just allowing life to unfold and again, just choosing the gratitude. So to wrap this up, the three components of gratitude are emote, extend, and exercise. So emote, allow yourself to actually feel it. Don't just think it, don't just um, logically say that I should be grateful, but feel it. If you need to put your hand on your heart and breathe into the gratitude, do that. And then extend, offer it to others. Say thank you more often. If you are feeling really resentful towards someone, make it a practice to think of three things that you are grateful for. So I hope you guys got a little nugget of wisdom out of this. If nothing else, go just find a little notebook or a piece of paper. And for the next two weeks, try writing down and like actually write pen to paper, write three things that you are grateful for every day and see how that transforms your life. And I would love to hear your feedback on how quickly you notice or you start to notice that your brain is starting to get rewired and that you are starting to ask yourself on a daily basis, oh, it's three o'clock and I haven't really thought about gratitude yet. What are the three things that I'm going to be grateful for? And you just start to like pick out little things throughout the day like, oh, that's one thing that I would have not thought about before, but I can add that to my gratitude list today. And it's just so cool to see how quickly and easily it changes your life. Yeah, so as always, like, subscribe, rate, give it five stars if you love it. I love you. And if you didn't like it, then, you know, no need to do anything. Don't hurt my heart. Just give me honest feedback in the DMs. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Y'all y'all do whatever you want to do. I want the truth and I want to support you and I appreciate you being on the ride with me.